0: The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. For all those men listening in, I have a special announcement that will give your balls goosebumps. So I don't know about you, but I get pretty sick and tired of changing my razors and trimmers to groom my body hair and my balls. So I wanted to introduce you to the new and improved Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Now, I know many guys listening into this podcast have probably seen me topless on social media. And they'll know that I'm quite a hairy dude, whether that be due to my genetics being half Italian, half Lebanese, or because I maxed out my testosterone to 988 nanograms per deciliter. I don't really know. But the fact is that I have a lot of body hair and it's always been a struggle for me. So the Manscaped 3.0 features a cutting edge ceramic blade, which actually reduces the grooming accidents and has a pretty long battery Life as well, lasting up to 90 minutes. It also features like a unique LED light as well, so that you don't ever like miss a patch of hair. So, I'm a huge fan of the Manscaped 3.0. So, I have a special discount code that you guys can use. If you go to manscaped.com, you can get 20% off plus free shipping by using my code Lucas10. That's L U C A S. 10. Go to manscaped.com and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping by using my discount code, Lucas10. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas, and I am the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I am joined in with Jonathan Rosalind and his wife, Girgana, to be discussing some very novel biohacks related to a little bit different this week. We're going to be delving into some relationship and dating and some other love life hacks. So Jonathan is actually a friend of mine. Uh, I've been sort of watching his content. And he was really one of the OG biohackers uh, back in the day. He really laid the foundations and um, yeah, really was inspired by his content very early on. So uh, Jonathan, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Lucas. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you checking out my my, my book on this topic.
0: Sweet. So maybe uh, for my listeners, majority of them probably aren't familiar with uh, you and your story. So do you want to give people a little uh, background into how you got to where you are today?
1: Sure. So I have been really passionate about the biohacking and anti-aging stuff for about nine years now. I've had this website, LimitlessMindset.com, where I have about 600 articles on this topic and a ton of videos and podcasts, which is how you encountered me originally. And so I wrote this book recently entitled, Don't Stick Your Dick in a Blender, how to meet a nice girl instead from a tantric husband with a better sex life than you, and that would be, that would be neat. And so, um, I was a person that was a digital nomad dude. I lived in Colombia for three years, uh, lived all over Europe doing the thing where you kind of just go to a new country or city every every couple of months or or every couple of days or weeks if uh, if a place ends up stinking you know sometimes you look up a place and you think it's going to be awesome and then you go there and you hate it so you hit the road again and find some place that you really vibe with and like a lot of these kind of guys you probably got a lot of guys like that in your audience i imagine yeah we do yeah for sure so, like a lot of these kind of guys, I was a nomadic seducer. I was kind of doing the pickup artist thing uh you know I try to date women pretty much everywhere that I would go, and this was of course a whole lot of fun but uh, i've had some i 've had some evolution on my kind of life philosophy on this and so i i wrote this i wrote this book about how men can kind of transition from that natural drive that any you know red blooded man is going to have which is kind of to be promiscuous and i found myself that i'm much much more happier in being married i've done like all of these different uh all the different like hedonistic type of things that people pursue. I have like drank deeply of that particular cup and I've done all all the kinds of biohacking things where you're trying to draw happiness from within all of, all of these type of things and being married makes me way more happier than, than anything else. And so I am wrote this book sort of for men that are doing that, that are kind of, Pursuing happiness via uh, trying to conquer a lot of skirts, frankly, and I'm letting them know that there's like a lot more happiness uh, to be found actually in monogamy if they are very, very selective and rational about that.
0: So, um, as I was as I was mentioning, so you know the differences between monogamy and sort of polyamorous relationships or so when when did your perspective really shift in regards to like the monogamous relationship?
1: Okay so there was a there's a podcaster you may have you've probably seen him around on the internet named Stefan Molyneux and he's done a lot of good podcasts that are kind of driving home the point that your your 20s and your 30s are a decade of life particularly your 20s where you're really kind of defining your trajectory for the rest of your life and there is a sexual marketplace and a a sexual marketplace you can imagine it kind of as a as a car lot and Uh, You go to a car lot, and I've worked at car lots, and on the car lot, there's going to be like the really great cars, which are, you know, the nice cars that look good, that run great, and consistently, those cars get sold like really fast. They get picked right up and then there's and then after those are sold over a given weekend for example then there's going to be like pretty crappy cars that are there and i suppose this guy stefan Molyneux, a philosopher he really drove home to me this point this uh, a sense of urgency about trying to that in your in your 20s and 30s in your 20s and like your early to like mid 30s early to mid thirties, maybe up to your forties, you have like a lot of uh, ability to get like one of the very best cars on the lot. Right. Yeah. And that as, as the years and the decades pass your even for men, even it's a little bit different for men and women, honestly, but even for men, your capacity to get like a really great woman that you're gonna have all sorts of meaning with, that you're gonna have a really joyful relationship with, that opportunity is like mostly focused there in your, your 20s and your 30s. And then once uh, my, book is for, my book is for men, so I guess this is gonna be kind of a male centric, relevant podcast. But especially for men, like once you get into your later 30s or even your mid 30s for a lot of guys, you lose a little bit of your youthfulness. And you lose, even if you're doing a bunch of like biohacking, anti-aging stuff, your mentality shifts over time. And there's going to be like a uh, courting a woman, having, having romance, uh, starting a relationship with, woman, with a woman. It requires a bit of like a, a bit of childishness. It requires a bit of like a, a playfulness. It requires a bit of like uh, a bit of adolescent like energy. And over your uh, 30s, uh, a man, any any man will will be losing that. And so, I, yeah, I guess it was kind of a, a, a sense of urgency because in in modernity, we are all in the current year, we're all sold a sense of, we're also this, a sense of like boundlessness of like, of like limitless options. You know, guys will uh, join a dating website or, or ladies, anyone could join a dating website and they'll see like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little JPEGs of people that might be appealing to them. And they get kind of this, they get a sense of, Like abundance, they get a sense that they are like in an endless grocery store or in an endless store where they're just going to have limitless options forever. And so, I guess, it was kind of uh, a sense of urgency about that that changed my mentality. Interesting. So,
0: I'd love to have a little discussion around how, because I know you mentioned this in your book. sort of how online dating has changed the dynamics significantly. Um, so let's sort of touch on how online dating has been like how it's changed and how potentially like it can be both beneficial and, and, you know, negative.
1: Yeah. Are you doing it? Uh, well I've, I've downloaded
0: Tinder and deleted the app numerous times. Um, (laughs) right
2: purely because beneficial in my opinion
0: purely purely because uh i I honestly think that like you have to pay to actually get seen and they will only reward the, the guys that yeah i feel like it's um you know it's it's a bit challenging in that sense but i mean like honestly i've actually tended to lean towards uh other ways of (laughs) gaining attention. And that is actually through Instagram direct messages.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of online dating. I did a chapter in my book, eviscerating online dating because it's, uh, it's so bad on so many different levels. In fact, I'd like to share a statistic with you, uh, with everyone. So this was a statistic that came from some research. It was from the uh, Statistic Brain Institute uh, that was collating a couple of studies done with college students. And I found this to be just, I found these two to be really shocking stats. So a third of women meeting guys online have had sex on the first date with an online match, uh, which I guess is kind of it's good news like if you just want to get laid, but like if you want to meet like a girl that's like relatively conservative that isn't like sleeping with other with every other guy she 's going on a date with it's pretty bad news, and then it actually gets worse from there, so of one third of women uh, dating who sleep with guys on the on the first date, or at least have uh, four out of five, did not use protection. So guys can kind of think that if they are uh, if they're going on uh, on a date with a girl and she sleeps with you the on the first date, the um, the majority of them are not using protection. They are just having uh, unsafe sex with guys on the first date that they, that they meet, which I found pretty pretty horrific. It explains a lot of why STDs are so prevalent. And this is kind of the statistic that I point people to. If, if anyone ever calls me a, a misogynist because I wrote a book calling women blenders, I'm going to point them to this stat that there are, like, there's a lot of quite irresponsible women that are out there. And I, uh, in, in my book, I I break down a bunch of different red flags, and I break down a bunch of different, like, objective criteria for for men, because my book is for men, to try to filter a lot better so that they aren't you know, making really bad decisions in the bedroom.
0: Mm. So obviously, you know, um, you said four out of five, four out of five women were actually on the first date not using, Well, the men weren't using protection. Is that right?
1: Okay. I need to be a little bit more precise. A third of women have had sex, on the first date with an online match. And if they, if they did it once, presumably, presumably it's like happened multiple time times. And then of, of them four out of five. So the majority did not use protection. Right.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Well, um, yeah, that's quite surprising. I'd love to hear from, uh, Gagana. What's, what are your thoughts there?
2: Okay well I don't think that this is all very wise because that's how unplanned pregnancies happen right a lot of times
0: exactly so there's obviously there's a huge risk involved on on both on both ends um, and obviously it's a bit of a i guess there's numerous reasons why some women obviously feel comfortable on the first day. So maybe like Jonathan, do you want to like break down some of the, some of the, the the key biohacks that guys can, I guess, like make women sort of feel comfortable. I know you mentioned being more playful and things like that, but what else, what else can guys do to, to build that rapport and strengthen that?
1: Okay. So I think I, I coined a term in the first chapter of the book. I called it the inevitable, Uncondoming, which is this phenomenon that you've probably experienced. I think most people have probably experienced it, which is where typically the uh, the unsafe sex the uncondoming the not using condoms that is like n- typically not a very planned out decision it's usually kind of just a a heady kind of moment of passion when it happens and so i urge people in the book to try to try to delay that a bit to try to, you know, make that something that's like six months into the relationship. Uh, Ideally, like after you've been STD tested together, because yeah, it just results in, uh, it it results in some horrific consequences for people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as far as, uh, as far as I, I think it's a really good idea to, uh, you know, try to build up a level of intellectual intimacy mm-hmm. before that happens. And I, I so so there's going to be the, the, the kind of women that are probably having unsafe sex on the first date they are going to be the women that are they, there's some there's there's some insecurity there and there's some there's some low self-esteem that's that's driving that sort of behavior which is which is totally unfortunate and what i suggest a little bit further on in the book is that men try to If men are looking for, like, uh, a good girlfriend, if men are looking for a woman who might be wife material, which I I urge them to do so, because, again, it makes your life so much better. It brings so much happiness into your life. It'll make you way, way happier than kind of doing the pickup artist thing. Um, If that's what men are looking for, I urge them to delay sex. Uh, To Try to delay it until about the 5th or the 10th date and the the kinds of the kinds of women who have healthy self-esteem they're going to be totally okay with that right. and if if you're if you're doing dates where you're trying to uh, connect intellectually a little bit more if you're like spending 3 4 hours having real deep conversations about things talking about your families uh talking about your your values you're going to, over the course of like five or maybe 10 days, you're going to, you're going to have intimacy on a, on a, on a different kind of level. And what you'll do is you'll, you'll filter out the women who are more promiscuous, Mm -hmm. the women who I call blenders who are going to, you know, who are going to, th- the relationships are going to end up being like a lot of pain and they're going to have uh, negative consequences, perhaps unplanned pregnancies. The the women who are going to have the real low self-esteem, they're going to be, if, if you don't sleep with them on like the first or second, maybe third date, they're going to eject from the relationship because they're going to be kind of, they're going to be kind of like confused about what's going on. And, you know, doing the, so the book, uh, I delve really deeply into a bunch of, into a bunch of sex hacks. And I, I want to just urge the men that are out there the, the sex that you're going to have with a woman that you are in a monogamous committed relationship with where you have like you have that, that great synergy of like yin and yang going on. And especially if you're doing some of the tantric techniques, the sex that you're going to have is so great. It's going to be like your sex life is just going to be so much better than the sex you're going to be having with uh, with win- with women that you're casually dating. That I think it's uh, I think as far as as far as like hedonism, you're getting when you're when you're choosing to delay casual sex a bit and put it off, you are choosing a a much greater pleasure of of such better sex. So I'm, yeah, I guess I'm trying to disabuse some of the guys that are doing the, that are doing the pickup artist thing or that are, you know, that are out there like on Tinder and they're like, you know, having a lot of first date, second date sex, you know, with a condom, with these women on Tinder. Uh, it's just when, when I compare what I have now, it's like a succulent steak dinner compared with a, a stale Snickers bar of my past. Yeah, so
0: I was just mentioning um, what you're really hinting towards is the idea of delayed gratification, um, which makes sense. Obviously, like if you're putting off something that you look forward to, it's the actual process of looking forward to the reward and then delaying it. So I sort of want to touch on a little bit on the tantric mindset because a lot of my listeners is probably first time hearing about the tantric practices. I know one of my friends personally um, is a huge believer in practices, the uh, the n- uh, non-ejaculatory sex, um, but he's still able to orgasm without ejaculating. So do you want to like touch on some of the other sort of tantric mindsets and practices?
1: Yeah. So this is something that comes out of, it comes out of the Eastern tradition. And it's a, it, it sounds a little bit woo-woo. A lot of people might uh, might disregard this because it it sounds kind of woo woo but it's very it's a series of physical techniques that you do to to uh stave off uh ejaculation for the man to to separate the uh orgasm from the ejaculation or to at least to to delay the ejaculation so that you can have sex for a longer period of time and you know, this results in your, this results in the woman being able to derive a whole lot more pleasure out of it. The, the average man, I found this statistic shocking. Also the average man only lasts six minutes. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: That
1: that doesn't sound very satisfying. Does it, babe? (laughs) Um, So the, so by practicing some of these techniques, you can, you can last longer. If you can last, uh, 21 minutes, then you are like statistically, like you're actually doing like pretty, pretty good. It's, you know, sex is a funny thing. Uh, Apparently most guys are just so awful at it that if you can be like slightly better, slightly better, women will be really impressed. So the, the first step to becoming a tantric man is to no fab, is to not look at porn. It's uh, men need to make a decision about whether they want to have a great sex life or whether they want to look at porn because you really don't get to have both. You need to choose one of those things or the other. So uh, You know, uh, NoFab, I think me and you have maybe, did we talk about this last time?
0: Yeah, we potentially discussed some of the benefits of NoFab, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's fantastic. If you're a single guy, do no fab and what do it for, you know, start by trying to just go for two weeks and then try to go for a whole month and then try to go for like 60 or 90 day blocks. And you'll find that you really start to appreciate women. You'll find that you'll, you'll find, you'll have like just a con, you'll have a conversation with a pretty girl and like your body will just kind of light up and you'll find like joy in that alone. So that's kind of the first step, but a lot of, a lot of the nofabbers, if you go on uh, Reddit, a lot of the nofabbers are dogmatically committed to like not touching their own dicks, and what you want to do to develop yourself as a tantric man is you want to do some meditative masturbation. Which sounds sounds crazy, right? Have you tried this, Lucas?
0: Oh, that's the, this is the first time I've heard of it.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know, as soon as you get off this podcast, <laughs> I'm not sure if you have anything else going on. So, <laughs> so, uh, so there's uh, so there's a series of breathing techniques that are described really in depth in, there's two excellent books on this topic that I would urge any biohacker to read or any man who's a biohacker to read. Uh, there's, some, there's some books for women on Tantra, but there's a book called The Multi-Orgasmic Male. Mm. And then there's another book called The Tao of Health, Sex, and Longevity. And they detail these, um, these uh, diaphragmatic breathing techniques that you do. And they go a little bit deeper than just the, the box breathing that I think you're familiar with, where what you want to do is they describe these, these uh, locks that you have in the body. You have several, you have several sphincters in the body um one of the so one of the sphincters is your anus everyone's familiar with that one and then the other sphincter is the pubococcygeus muscle which is the muscle that both men and women have fun fact the word cock it comes from this muscle pubococcus. And so, yeah, so that's the muscle that controls your ejaculations. And it also is the muscle that you uh, flex when you are going pee, when you're urinating, or if you're, you know, holding it in, because you got to, sometimes you got to hold it in, you know. (laughs) Um, So there's, uh, and then the other sphincter in the body, uh, the eyes are a sphincter. And then there is the, uh, actually the I believe the throat is a, is a sphincter. There's a sphincter there in the throat and so there's a breathing technique that it takes a little while to get down. It, it takes a bit of practice where you breathe in and then you lock uh, you you clo- you close these sphincters. you flex these sphincters, the anal sphincter, pubococcygeus, and they're in. You're there in your neck and then you release those. And so there's, so the, this is a breathing technique that you want to do like 10 to 15 minute uh, meditative masturbation sessions on, on your own, you know, in private, there with, there with lotion like normal. Um, and you want to practice it on, Typically, it takes about 20 days, um, and and you want to practice this breathing technique, you know, like just lay down, like turn on a little bit of music, turn on your meditation track, you know, whatever you like to do when, when you meditate. And you'll do that for, yeah, 10 to 15 minutes a day over the course of about... 20 days and you'll reach a level of uh, competence with the with the breathing technique and then at that point you'll be able to stave off orgasm and you'll actually experience uh, probably by yourself. And then with a woman, you'll experience more of the full body orgasm, which is where you feel the, you feel the orgasm, you feel the ejaculation building up, and then you continue to breathe. You um, The other important thing is doing kegels. You probably know about kegels. Yeah. I bet you do kegels.
0: Yeah, I've had experience with them in the past.
1: So, the thing about kegels is they're a little bit more of a long term sex hack. you need for men at least, you need to do them for quite a while before they start to make a difference in your ability to uh, hold back ejaculation. So guys can think about when they go to the bathroom and they are uh, the the way you start doing it is you go to the bathroom. You go pee, and actually, you you want to you want to delay going pee. You want to wait until like you really gotta go, and then you're gonna you'll have like a lot of pressure built up down there, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you go to urinate, but then you you cut off the, str- the stream. You you hold it in and then for like 2 2 or 3 seconds and then you release the stream and then you hold it in and then release the stream and then hold it in and then release yeah, the we stream got the okay 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 <laughs> and 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 so this is the this is the exercise of
0: it's the a mili- a of military the, a military practice
1: <laughs> yeah yeah oh and and they say they actually say you should stand on your tippy toes Wow. Really? While you do this, I'm not sure how the standing on the tippy toes makes a difference, <laughs> but you know, it's what the it's what the Taoists yeah. developed over thousands of years. So, so that's what that's what I do. And then you want to do kegels often. So, as a reminder, do a kegel every time something loads. So we're all dealing with technology all day long. So you're waiting for a website to load. <laughs> you're waiting for an app to load. Do a Kegel, bro. And then uh, over, over time- Productivity yeah, over hack time, 101. Yeah, yeah. What else are you doing while you're waiting True. for something to load? <laughs> and then over time, this builds up that PC muscle so that you can hold off ejaculation. And uh, over the course of- 20 days doing, uh, meditative masturbation sessions, you'll, you'll have this really cool sensation where you're feel, where you feel the orgasm move up into the rest of your body. Um, you'll feel it. You'll feel the orgasm move up into your skull, which is actually a really cool, a really cool feeling. It, uh, yeah, it, it, gives you, it gives you all sorts of, uh, yeah, it gives you like a lot of kind of creative energy. I would describe it as kind of, kind of a, kind of a nootropic. And yeah. I, I'm actually not doing this right now with my wife. Cause we're, uh, yeah, we want to have a baby, but it's, oh, uh, yeah, it's something, it's something that I, I recommend really enthusiastically because you'll have, uh, you'll have a whole lot better. You'll have a whole lot better sex. And the, when you're, If you can spike a woman's oxytocin, Mm. if you can if you can give a woman more orgasms than she is accustomed to, you're going to really elicit the yin. Energy out of her. She's mm. going to. You're, you're just gonna. You're gonna have a, a relationship that is uh, pregnant with like really great feminine, tranquil, kind of uh, childish kind of uh, energy.
0: Mm. Yeah. The um, one one other benefit of oxytocin. Actually, I was doing a bit of research on it. Um, just personally, uh, from, a, from like a biohacking perspective, is actually it's a hormone that has a positive feedback loop. So the more that the body makes, like the more the body releases, the more the body that the body makes. Is that the spray or?
1: Okay, yeah, this is exogenous <laughs> oxytocin. I awesome. will show it to you. You can continue what you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've read more about it. It's like um, some of the, oh, yeah, the, the nasal
1: Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yet to- actually this is this is not nasal. This you just take orally. Oh, okay. Um have you tried it yet?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we We taken it
1: once. Yeah, and I I'm really not sure if it had any effect. We mm. yeah, we we had a we had a date night and and then we went out salsa dancing. And so we we took it and I, I don't know if it had any effect, no. frankly.
0: Yeah, maybe it's probably the root of administration. I think the nasal spray is probably more effective. But um, it's definitely on the list of things to try. But as you were talking about some of the, um, some of the kegels and like delaying ejaculation, um, there's a bunch of supplements in particular. Uh, have you had experience with shilajit? I think you've spoken about it before.
1: okay that's one adaptogen i haven't done
0: yeah well that that one there in particular that one there in particular does help with um increasing parasympathetic nerve tone on like in the penis so it actually does dampen and reduce the excitatory response so stacking that plus stacking the kegels plus trilogy we could make an awesome delay ejaculation or delayed ejaculation stack out of all the other herbs uh you found horny goat weed yeah to be the probably the most potent in that regard
1: yeah it has the the effect that i notice the most it improves erection quality Mm. you know alcohol is kind of a double-edged sword in (laughs) seduction we we all know that alcohol has alcohol is usually there you know, alongside, uh, alongside sexy times and romance, but there's this, you know, there's this, uh, sweet spot with alcohol that uh, if you do just, if you drink just too much, then it's going to hurt your, Mm. uh, erection quality. And especially, you know, especially people that are, that are dating, they're going to be like drinking a little bit before, before making love. And so if you do some Epimedium. That's you. You don't need to worry about that. And I recommend the powdered Epimedium mm. because Epimedium is one of Epimedium, I did a a vlog recently that maybe you want to link to. Epimedium has a bunch of really cool different effects, mm. um, but it is you can do a lot of it. You can do like several grams of it and your, your erections will be awesome. And uh, so the powdered stuff I find is a whole lot better. It's economically, it's a win. And so you'll want to make a precoital tea with the epimedium. You'll want to get like a, a heaping teaspoon of Epimedium and just put it in steeped water and then, you know, mix some honey with it. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't taste all that great. Maybe a little bit of apple cider vinegar, and then you can have that and Epimedium has uh, similar effects for ladies. It, uh, it can improve <laughs> the quality of orgasm and sensation for ladies as well. So yeah, it's a great precoital beverage for him and for her.
0: Yeah, I've had um, I've had pretty good experiences with uh, honey goatweed in the past. I actually used it for its um, yeah, it downregulates that PDE five enzyme, like with chronic mm-hmm. dosing, which is obviously what Viagra works on. So it's a nice little, you know, blood flow p- booster. But I sort of want to transition back into um, some of the things you discussed in your book. Um, and there's one particular topic that I I really want to explore, and that is being the nice guy versus being the jerk. So I want to delve into that a little bit more. You know how the jerks get all the guys versus the nice guy is left with nothing. <laughs> so do you want to explore that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, that is kind of, that's the, you know, the dynamic that exists within the, you know, that, that exists between the, the, the sexes, you know, unfortunately at some point, in history, one of our female ancestors was most likely, you know, raped by like a Mongol warlord. And so unfortunately, this imbues this like seed of evolutionary psychology, where the women just uh, respond a lot better to guys that are kind of, that that are kind of Jerks, and so you know. Of course, we want to no. you know we want to encourage women to you know do uh, a lot of like do like self knowledge things and do do meditation type things so that they can you know because we all we all need to rise above a bit of our evolutionary psychology and be a little bit more like conscious and uh, and rational about our, about our choices in life. And it's, uh, and, and it's, and it's, it's especially men too. I think, I think men, you know, that that's what my book is all about is about, you know, men trying to, you know, uh, rise above a little bit of these like animalistic impulses that we have that can, you know, drag us into some, some really bad places in -hmm. life.
0: Yeah. So you obviously also mentioned a little bit about uh, seduction can be a powerful tool for personal growth. That was one of the quotes you mentioned in your book. So do you want to, did you mean from as like from a female, female perspective or from a, like a male perspective or both?
1: Oh, geez. I have to speak from a, a male perspective on that. Sure. <laughs> and and so, so what I recommend, because in the book I I don't recommend promiscuity. I'm actually like strongly anti promiscuity, mm. but I think that the the peripheral experiences that men are going to have around uh, seduction are are really are really powerful. So I do. I do urge men who are single to go and do the go and do the game thing. I urge single men to like go and find like a uh, the real social dynamics uh, group. That's in their city to find uh, wingmen that are in their city, and to go out with those guys and go and approach women. Go and do go and do day game. Uh, go and do go and do night game if the if all the nightclubs and bars aren't shut down because of COVID nineteen lockdowns. Because the the experiences that you can have, particularly sober. The, the experiences that you'll have sober going out there and <clears throat> approaching women and being direct about it, I'm a big fan of the uh, direct game, as they call it, particularly in day game. Those experiences that you have will really shift your, they'll shift your mindset. They will uh, imbue like a real degree of uh, of confidence. And I, I also urge men to do. I urge men to to be promiscuous about dating, but not sex. I urge men to do a lot of a lot of dates because when you do a lot of dates, you build up those. You build up the empathy skills. You build up your attentiveness to the uh, subcommunication, and and so so. In my book, I actually urge men. I say. Um, I say go, go on dates with women that you might not even sleep with and go on a date and just try to disagree with her on everything. Your, your objective, your objective is not to get laid. It's not to get a second date. Your objective is just to, uh, just to kind of uh, just to have fun disagreeing with her and going out there and having that experience, you know, Mm. cross getting outside of the comfort zone in that way where you're, where you're not trying to appease a woman, but just trying to disagree with her. Mm. That's going to, that's going to shift your mindset and that's going to give you a little bit of like a, that's going to give you a little bit of like that bad boy vibe that women are going to, respond to even, even, even the nice girls, even, even the, the virtuous women, like my wife, they're going she's to, She's not
2: virtuous.
1: <laughs> she doesn't like that word for some reason.
2: No, she's not.
1: They're, they're going to respond uh, positively to that.
0: So what about, I guess,
2: and I did not respond.
0: the challenge, the challenge for guys when they, you know, they partake in the gate in, in the day game, but they get rejection and they get rejection after rejection, and then they're, you know, you mentioned the fact that it can help build their confidence, but a lot of guys can, I find, well, from my experience with that sort of practice is like after one rejection, your egos, you know, get takes a hit and then your confidence takes a hit. And so like, how do you, how do you go about that?
1: Yeah, I understand. Day game can be, grueling because you need to approach like 10 girls to get maybe one or two that's going to be receptive to having a yeah. conversation with you. What I find makes the biggest difference is doing it with a wingman. If with, you, a, with
0: a wingman or woman? Another woman.
1: With a wingman.
0: Uh, okay. It's probably, uh, so, do you think it'd be more powerful with another woman.
1: Uh, if you could find one that would do that with you. <laughs> uh, so you'll you'll find if you do day game with a wingman, you'll be you'll be having a, a lot of fun. The important thing when you go out with a wingman is you want to be joking and just talking shit to each other the yeah. whole time. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be you don't want to be like you know you don't want to be all buttoned up about it <laughs> and. So as you're going out and doing and doing approaches when you're with a wingman, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a lot more fun and you'll be able to sustain those eight or nine rejections that you need to take to have a good interaction.
0: Mm. Yeah. I definitely feel like it does help with the dynamics, having that playful, cheeky, sarcastic, sort of mentality and not being so direct i've been in that state many times personally like where i've um particularly at like parties and things like that where i've used certain nootropics things like um catawaba or certain like um gabaergic compounds where there's literally no Phenibute. yeah yeah there's no inhibitions so you literally sometimes you just freak out like with what comes out of your mouth like because there's you've got literally no inhibitions. so you're able to just freely talk without you got to be careful there. Cause then <laughs> certain things can slip out of your mouth that you, you might reject.
1: Yeah. I, I would like, I've in the past, I've done, uh, I've done like Phenibute before going and doing day game because yeah, it is a, uh, day game is a, it's a benign. What is it? What, what, what do they say? They say that humor is a benign violation of, of, uh, of norms. And that's, that's definitely like what day game is because most uh, most guys would not like go up and approach a pretty girl in a cafe and you know disrupt her day by you know telling her hey you know i thought you looked really pretty and i had to come over and say say hi to you i noticed that you look like you're studying to become a rocket scientist here would you take me to the moon something like that <laughs> Yeah. What about, um,
0: you, you mentioned playing with fire. So I want to sort of talk about some of the signs of, you know, potentially women that are very dangerous in that regard or like from your personal experiments or experiences.
1: Yeah. So in the book, I have three major red flags that guys should be, that guys should be quite wary of, which is, uh, Smoking, drinking to excess, and being a single mother, and if you're, if a and a woman is going, you're going to know right away on on those three accounts. Uh, typically, typically women will tell you right away if they are a single mother. Uh, women usually don't keep that a secret for very long, <laughs> and it's usually pretty obvious if someone is, you know, drinking. If someone drinks to excess, or if they smoke. And so if those, if those three, if, if you're seeing two of those red flags, then that's like a sign to eject. Um, but if there's, if there's one of those red flags, you want to proceed with caution. And you want to definitely uh, delay sex and delay the inevitable uncondoming.
0: so what about um a little bit on i guess something a little bit different like in terms of setting boundaries when you're when you're dating and and you know that initial phase when you may just like start dating a woman and then you realize you're sort of in that gray zone where you're like exclusive but you're not exclusive but and like avoiding that jealousy trap sort of thing so have you had like much experience or have you delved into that sort of space much?
1: Okay. So here's uh, one of the points that I make a little bit further on in the book is I address the compromise Mm -hmm. question. And because compromise is important in -hmm. relationships, Mm -hmm. as we've all heard. But what I urge men is to not be terribly diplomatic and compromising within about the first six months of the relationship. And this is going to be a filtering thing where if if the man is a bit kind of hard-headed and is kind of arbitrarily stubborn at points, then what's going to happen is if the woman is also Kind of, uh, kind of stubborn and hardheaded themselves. Then it's just not going to work. Then the, you know, the it's you're just not going to be able to get along together, and you're going to filter that out of your life. But if you're dealing with a woman who's real feminine, who has nice, uh, who has really nice yin energy, then she's going to she's going to kind of just go along with with a guy that's hard headed, and after, you know, after six months, after a year, I I do think compromise is important. Me and my wife compromise on things, on things uh, all the time. And it results in uh, all sorts of, you know, tranquility. We have a much, much better marriage because we, we compromise. But I really didn't do that very much the first like six months to a year. And yeah, it'll serve as a real filter for the women that are good, that have that like, real good feminine energy okay i think i think my wife wants to interject with something yeah sure
2: hey lucas hey grigana okay i just wanted to say that john kind of compromised on something very big before those six months he did and it will yes he did It was one thing, but it was kind of big for him. And it was to stop being flaky because he used to be very flaky.
0: Flaky? In what regard? Like messaging or what?
2: Yes, exactly. Sometimes it would take him up to four days to respond to me. Especially after he had told me that he would respond within 45 minutes.
1: (laughs) Unforgivable.
0: Well, clearly worked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that was maybe two or three months into the relationship. And, you know, I thought we were done.
0: Really? You're, you're going to break it off yes. at one stage?
2: Yes, because I was totally tired of his flakiness. Right. You know, that, that meant disrespecting my time mm. and me. So we had a we had a serious conversation. I, I came
1: into your work. Yes, I surprised you came, at work.
2: He came into my work, surprised me at work, and we had a serious conversation. And eventually, he said that he was not going to be flaky anymore. Right. And he wasn't. He was. But doing was Jonathan
0: was was Jonathan doing that deliberately at the start? Was it a tactical? like a strategy or was he
2: yes to- i think so i think so because a lot of women had been flaky on him before. Right.
1: those colombian girls they taught really and well he thought the of he flakiness. Thought
2: that if he that if he was playing hard to get and being flaky that was going to spike my interest you know that he was going to appear more as a lover than as a provider right but i got super sick of it mm. because i'm not into mind games like that mm. and and i and i told him you either stop being flaky and you're going to you know respect my time just like i respect yours or we are done right and he said okay okay you know after after thinking for like maybe five ten minutes, he decided that he was not going to be flaky anymore. And that was something big for him because he had been flaky for four years. Wow. On people. I even remember he told me that he was being flaky with his own dad.
0: Mm.
2: You so know, he a, wouldn't.
0: And in, an inborn personality trait of Jonathan man.
2: Well, he said that the women mainly in Colombia had taught him had trained him to be like this. Because wow. they would they would be like uh, sometimes up to 2 hours late for a date or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Or they they would they wouldn't respond to his messages and They were such great messages, too. All right. (laughs) Interesting. So, uh, yeah, so he thought that that was going to work on me, but it didn't. I mean, it produced the opposite effect of what he was aspiring for.
1: Mm. Yeah, I wasn't uh, totally, I wasn't quite culturally acclimatized to to Bulgaria, Mm. you know?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So here, we don't really like flakiness and it doesn't turn us on.
0: Right. I think, so, uh, I think that could be a common, a common thing for most women worldwide. They want, they want a man who's going to commit and have that sense of integrity, you know?
2: What about in Australia?
0: In Australia, well, it's pretty much the same here. I mean, like most women are... Into, I actually think most women here are actually quite flaky on the men. It's the other way around, but, um, yeah, it differs. It differs for everyone. There's flaky guys out there as well. So it's like, it's pretty balanced, you know?
2: Are you flaky yourself?
0: Me personally, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm probably the most reliable guy you'll ever meet. Look I'm, at that
1: hair I'm, of his. Of course he's not <laughs> flaky. I'm never,
0: <laughs> I'm never late. I'm always early. I'm, I say what I, you know, I commit to my words. So, and the the women that I've dated, Recently, and the ones that I'm dating, the one that I'm dating now would 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 know that, you know.
2: Oh, that's awesome! So she has a keeper on her hands.
0: Potentially, <laughs> yeah.
2: So that's what I wanted to say, and that happened within the first three months. But it was one big thing that he had to compromise on. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Well. Okay. It, it, yeah. It, it ended up working out well. Then that compromise. So.
1: <laughs> yeah
2: pretty much because otherwise I would have ejected from the relationship.
0: Uh, So was there any other sort of, any other segments in your book that you wanted to really discuss any other key, maybe quotes, things like that?
1: Yeah. So I have a chapter that goes really in depth on the topic of dating and marrying foreign women, because I I think probably almost any single guy has heard, oh, you know, you go to Eastern Europe, or you go to Colombia, or you go to Philippines or Thailand, and the women are, like, so much better there. And, uh, And actually, there's, like, Vast numbers of men that you know travel uh, to try to to try to meet women. There are uh, there are men that pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars uh, to these different uh, these different agencies that purport to hook like. Western guys up with women in Eastern Europe or the Philippines or wherever. Mostly they just scam them. Mostly it's just a big scam. Um, But, you know, as you can see, I married a Bulgarian girl and I am really happy living here. And so I, I did a chapter there. And I guess kind of the message that I want to tell men who are... Who are curious about that, who are thinking, you know, oh maybe, you know, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I might want to get a wife from Eastern Europe or or any one of these places, is that the the opportunity on that is sunsetting. They're the mm. the forces of globalization are aggressively making everywhere like everywhere else. You know? so i in and and uh typically so there's there's four countries it's it's really funny there's four it's kind of the pareto principle i suppose there's these four countries uh ukraine ukraine philippines thailand and colombia and these four countries get about 90 or it seems like they get 80 90% of these uh, international conquistadors of love, guys. I mean, some of the, some of these guys are, you know, pretty low class. They're just guys that want to party and get laid, or maybe they're just rank sex tourists, but there's a lot of like genuine good-hearted guys out there that uh, don't think that they can find uh, a wife or a good girlfriend in Canada or the UK or Australia. And so they go to these four countries. And of course, this is, this is shifting the dating culture in those countries. This is globalizing those countries. And so in that chapter of the book, I list about 30 other countries that are not getting such an influx of, you know, men on international skirt-chasing missions that are are also uh, countries that have, you know, beautiful... Uh, beautiful women, where the culture is a little bit more traditional and conservative, mm. where men have uh, a real decent chance of finding a woman that they could have a, a serious relationship with. And so, yeah, that's, I, I want to, you know, I, I guess if we can leave pe- men in particular, because I guess that's what my book addresses, if we can leave them with a, a message, it's, I hope it's just a sense of urgency uh, in regards to, in regards to their love lives and in regards to finding a partner in life, because due to all these different social forces due to, uh, how coronavirus has changed the whole world, the, the, as, as years pass, it just becomes harder and harder Mm. to get a really great partner in your life.
0: Mm. Yeah. I I really, um, I can really (laughs) resonate with a lot of what you said in terms of, um, what you're really striving to to encourage is just developing that really solid connection because that's ultimately like i guess what what humans are designed to to do like we we we're designed to connect and, and get that oxytocin boost and and monogamy and you know marriage is is a, a strong form of that so um yeah hopefully my hopefully my the blokes and the guys listening in to to this podcast do get a chance to check out your book because it is a it is a fun read um there are some pretty interesting topics in there so um i guess that pretty yeah, much and re- remind yeah. me
1: remind me what city you're in I'm in Melbourne Melbourne Australia okay well yeah you know i think that i think that you are going to i think uh you're single now right no
2: he's dating someone
1: oh you're dating someone oh fantastic i didn't hear that part
0: single single but dating yeah
1: yeah okay okay, yeah yeah fantastic i i wish you i uh, i wish you the really uh the best the best with that i think the fact the fact that you're a real good looking guy and that you're in really stellar health it and that he makes so much hair yeah, yeah the hair the hair <laughs> makes the hair makes a difference <laughs> Thank and, you. and, and I'd, I'd urge, uh, any guys who are, who are listening, if guys are there in Melbourne, then hit up Lucas about, you know, going out and doing some day game. It'll, it'll be, it'll be a blast. I'm sure.
0: That's great. I love that. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening in. I might just quickly question, question, Jonathan, one last takeaway, one little bit of advice that you could give guys entering into the dating scene? What's the number one tip you could give
1: men? Number one tip. Oh, okay. This is my number one tip. If I got to, if I got to come up with one is to kiss a girl earlier than when you're comfortable mm. with it. Uh, I, I urge men to try to kiss women on the first date that's what I did with you. It worked Mm -hmm. out great. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, if you, if you are trying to kiss a woman, uh, at the earliest possible opportunity, she is not going to put you into the friend zone. She's going to know what, what you're after. So you'll, you'll be on a first date with a girl, or maybe you're just talking with her at a party. You might not want to do this, you know, with a with a coworker, or with you know, uh, if you're in class having a conversation with <laughs> having a conversation, but if you're if you're on a first date, you want to try to sit next to each other. And as soon as she's sort of looking at you, and there's a little bit of a lull in the conversation, don't wait until the perfect moment. Don't wait until you've said the perfect funny romantic thing. Just try to kiss her. As soon as you get a chance and often she will, she'll reject that. She'll turn her head to the side and that's, that's totally, okay. that's totally okay. Mm. You can try again in about 20 minutes, uh, try about four or five times. And if you get rejected four or five times, then that's great because then you know that she's just not that into you and you mm. won't waste your time further. So I think, I think that's a good tip. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that one.
0: I really like that one. There's never going to be a perfect time and you just have to make the most of what you've got in the moment.
1: Uh, gentlemen. Fortuna Huvat, gentlemen. Yeah.
0: Alrighty, everyone. Well, thanks for listening in to yet another episode of the Boost Your Biology podcast. I'll be leaving links to Jonathan's uh, website. And where can they find the book, Jonathan?
1: Okay, the book is available for pre-sale on Amazon right now, and it is on my website, limitlessmindset.com. It's a dollar cheaper on my website, and I also give people the audiobook if they get it from my website for eight dollars and ninety-nine cents.
0: Terrific. Well, um, thanks again for coming on the show, Jonathan. It's it's been a pleasure. Um, Chatting on you is going to be a a fun and interesting episode. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.